Welcome to Savvy Sabs Podcast on Call In. This is episode five. We are discussing AOC and progressive opportunists. So here we go. AOC cares about the Amazon location in Staten Island now that they have a fighting chance to form a union. But AOC ghosted Chris Smalls and other protesters months prior after she promised to participate. Are AOC and leftists in D.C. allies or opportunists? And I'm going to go ahead and take our first caller, which is Eric. You're on the mic. Hey, Savvy, can you hear me? Hello? Savvy? Eric? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, I can't hear you. Okay, cool. Thanks for taking my call, Savvy. Oh, wait a minute. I can hear you on call-in, but I can't hear you on YouTube. Hold on. Try it now. I think I just added it. Okay, uh, go ahead and say something, Eric. Hey there, Savvy. There we go. Okay, I can hear you. Excellent. Um, well, this week has been very interesting with RBN's take on, especially with um, uh, Bree's uh, interview of Ro Khanna, and then hear this. I mean, you guys are completely hitting uh, the balls out of the ballpark with your takes on, like today, your take on how Crystal is definitely leveraging this as an opportunity for her to, in a sense, promote her show and make herself look good while doing so. And not mentioning Chris Wallace's name, it just really, you know, hits to what you were, you, you guys have been saying, which is these guys are sort of grifting us. And until RBN came around, I mean, of course, Jimmy was there long ago, but, you know, I just really love how you guys are pointing out all these discrepancies with these guys that are just truly they take advantage of us and uh we're just we're not having it anymore um and i'm really grateful that you guys are doing it even with the gentleman that you had today ted you know god bless him you know whatever he did in the past but we become more sophisticated we are far uh you know as far as our way of looking at things the, the the bail has been removed and we're just not waiting for these guys to tell us any more of the same. And so to your question, going back to AOC and the leftists, I'm not sure that we truly have any leftists uh, in the Senate or the House. Uh, there, there are none. These guys are completely, you know, AOC is a clout chaser. She's definitely the most ineffective class person out of her whole class. I mean, that's been quantifiable. It's been recorded that she has done very little, if anything. She just is, she's getting on TV shows and talking, uh, but even her, the way she speaks is not very intelligent. I mean, if you listen to her, it's almost sad and disappointing that we had so much hope for this person who's really let all of us down. And then subsequently, the rest of the squad is doing more of the same. And we can't continue to support, you know, blue, no matter what, that's gone. We're not going to do that. The same reason why Nina Turner lost, you know, that's a, a something that happened very freak, very recently. People are up on, on these things now. There's no energy behind them. Um, of course, they have energy 
as far as the the masses and, and it's unfortunate and, and you know this is why i always tell you that i think you need to get on other platforms that could make rbn's voices much louder uh because once people hear you i mean it's just like it makes sense you know like yeah this is the way things should be and this is really what's happening there's just not enough people getting the message uh because of all the censoring by youtube uh I mean, there's plenty of channels that I can't see. They don't come up on my feed uh, through YouTube because they're being censored. And and I'm seeking them out. So you could just imagine the people that are haven't had the opportunity to see RBN or hear. Uh, they're not going to get you guys. And so uh, I think our mics are just a little bit too small at this point. Uh, but but things are, are changing, you know, because it, there's more of a, of an energy movement towards what RBN is, is been, has been speaking about for the last several months. So I think the energy is definitely there. It's just getting more people to listen to the message. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, <laughs> I think this is the mistake about putting your faith and your hope in one person. And expecting that person to be like some savior of of sorts or to be a hero and just kind of just swoop down and fix all of the problems for us. And I think I'm guilty of doing that with Bernie Sanders when he ran. Uh, I was guilty of doing that with the squad as well. And so when they really disappoint us, they really, really disappoint us. Right. So we're incredibly crushed. Um, I, I think we need to ask ourselves the question, were any of these candidates ever vetted to begin with? You know, I didn't find out about AOC's real background until after she had already won. That is correct. Yeah, I mean, we don't have any uh, way of really betting them. I think Case Study QB does some of that. Um, mm-hmm. I know that he finds a lot of information that, that, I mean, he's taking a lot of time to put all these good factual information that he's actually brought on your show. But yeah, there's no way for us to vet them uh, other than we hear something and then they get outed uh, really through their either lack of actions or their actions that are actually opposed to what they actually were uh, promoting themselves to be. I mean, the most recent case is Ro Khanna. I mean, Brie annihilated him. She destroyed him on that interview from yesterday. And I think uh, Compton James was, uh, was uh, you know, reviewing that interview. And just like, yeah, this guy's a fraud, you know. But but already the DNC is getting behind Rokana because they're seeing the shift, the shifting of where people's minds are headed. Uh, yeah. The boomers are sort of passing away and there's a younger crowd coming behind them. But they're getting propaganda, guys. Right now, the, the, the TikTokers, as you saw, they brought them onto the White House. So, I mean, this is all happening right in front of us they're trying to get all the younger people behind them trying to get getting into their minds and there's only a small group of us uh, really that that really are sort of awakened i guess for lack of a better term however there's still that opportunity that i keep you know saying to you like right now there's a third people are thirsty for knowledge they really want to know what's really going on we just don't have the, the 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 channels to really get to them in, in an effective uh, mass, sort of a critical mass kind of way, because everything is sort of close to uh, to the left. Uh, I mean, 
YouTube has taken down, they, they took down Abby Martin's Empire Files, uh, you know, news channel, whatever. Uh, they've taken down so many channels that are just opposing the, the mainstream media framework because of what's going on in Ukraine. So this is happening right. real time as we speak. And then we're focused on things that don't even matter. Or they do matter in some ways. Don't, don't get me wrong, like the thing that happened here with the Oscars this week. Uh, they, right. they matter in a sense that, you know, this is going to make people probably do bad things to, to one another. But they don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, what, what truly is going on. You know, for a few days, we've stopped paying attention to in, in, uh, the growing inflation, uh, the war in Ukraine, the fact that we're involved, the fact that we've given billions of dollars for a war that's unjust. We could be using that money. I mean, the, uh, was it $10 billion that they've, uh, they've approved already? I mean, that's half of the money that we need to end poverty in America. Uh, and so it's just, it's unfortunate and people don't see it. They don't. They're not able to connect the dots. They're, we're so caught up doing our day-to-day stuff, savvy that we go to work. Uh, we have to pay our bills. We have to figure out how we're going to get get our pay, and so on. And and so by the time that the end of the day, people are just not willing to put in the time to really figure out what's going on. So. That's a good point. I mean, I think it's a great thing that we do have a couple of people out there that have reached over a million subscribers. Like you do have Russell Brand and you do have Jimmy Dore to get that same message across. So that that's a big thing. The fact that they they've hit that mark. So they are able to reach those people that we probably cannot reach. Right. So that's that's the good thing about that. But I, I definitely hear where you're coming from, because mainstream media still is the dominant narrative and we have no control over that. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and then I, I think I sent you a, a little text message or a DM you know, last week about how Jackson Hinkle got on that. He was able to do like a 20 or 10 minute presentation um was it what's it what's the guy's name i can't remember his name but uh caleb Moffin. yeah right and so and yeah. that was you know that's a way of cross-pollinating your audience or his audience with with the other guy's audience right and then sort of kind of right. growing growing that sphere of, of of information or influence if you will and i really think that's what rpn needs to do uh you know I, I always try to think of things of like how do we market what you guys are saying with opportunities that are there for the left and sort of take advantage of those routes or, or those channels of, of uh, opportunities. We need to do them and, and you almost have to think of them as that, okay, we're gonna do this, but we're also gonna do this simultaneously. We're gonna go out and do this, but we're gonna get our name out there at the same time so that more people can hear the message. Uh, somehow we need to do that for RBN and the others that are also part of this ecosystem. Mm, well said, Eric. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. Thank you, Savvy. Enjoy your beer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's Friday. All right. I'm going to go ahead and take the next caller. And the next caller is Greg Bruce. You are now on the mic. Hello. Um, so, yeah, I was going to respond to some of uh, AOC's excuses um, they were very telling, I thought, um, that comment of, you know, should have looked at a map like that reminded me of when Eva, Emma Viglin started saying, read a book. Uh, I think that was directed at people who were for forced uh, force to vote. She said, read, read a book. Uh, it's that 
coastal elite pretend to be intelligent sort of attitude, you know, because it's like they're pretending that they're at a higher level of intelligence or knowledge. But at the same time, the idea that something we boiled down to uh, read a book or uh, look at a map is very stupid. So it's it's exactly that just ignorant coastal elite attitude that that was dripping of. Um, and also, the, it was very telling that she said she boiled down constituents to just her uh, voting districts. And I understand that that's one you know, definition of constituents, but at the same time, I mean, the, the detention facility for uh, immigrants that she you know, pretended to cry at uh, just for the sake of uh, getting anti-Trump points, uh, was that in her district? Um, it's it's you know, ridiculous that, that, that excuse she used. But in a way, it was kind of um, uh, telling because she was, she was kind of saying the quiet, quiet part out loud. She was saying, wait, they're not the people who will be voting for me, so why should I give a shit about them? Uh, that's that's what I, that was my interpretation of what she was saying. Um, so it just it, it just shows her opportunism. And even though they probably did have some people who would, lived in her district, but regardless, that was uh, how uh, she was she was looking at it. Like, why the fuck should I give a shit that, you know, that they don't um, get me towards my career goals. Um, but um, overall, I mean, I agree with not praising um, Crystal Ball or giving her credit for this. Um, I will say, though, uh, I think um, this was kind of an unmasking for her, uh, for AOC, that is, um, because it's it's just showing the it was a it was a win for um, the real left um, in that it, it showed AOC's true colors and just leaving the actual left behind. Um, so the fact that I mean, obviously, this is a win for well, workers. Overall, most importantly, it was the win. For, it was a win for the Amazon workers who might have a path to be treated better. It's not a um, guarantee, but it's it's a a win in that sense, and it's very hopeful. So that's the most important part. But an added little bonus is, is that it served as an unmasking. So I think that um, the those of us on the left who are in favor of direct action should take this uh, and try to repeat it because the more times we do this and the more times that um, these politicians do not show up for us, the more it shows who they really are. Just like Nina Turner, like she could have said something about the market for Medicare for all, even if she couldn't make it, she could have said something. And, you know, AOC could have said something about this. It, so, you know, we got to keep doing this, keep having these big wins and show everyone who those people really are. Yeah, those are good points. And and one thing I do want to mention, too, in reference to what's in her district or not, actually, this is a two-part uh, statement here. The first part is uh, Nina Turner's campaign was not in AOC's district either. Uh, she had no problem going to another state for that. Um, so I just I want to point that out. When she went to Texas to help Jessica Cineros, uh with her campaign, that also was not in her district. So that excuse that she gave just didn't really make any sense to me. And I thought it was just a cop out. And the second part to this, in reference to the districts, for those of us that live like, I can't speak for West Coast, but those of us that live in, in the East Coast, <laughs> especially in these urban environments on the East Coast, we know that a lot of us may work in one place and live in another place just because it's cheaper to live further away from the city than it is to live in the city. So the fact that AOC 
couldn't even couldn't even put that together. The fact that even though that Amazon location may not be in her district, she didn't piece together the fact that there are people in her district who still work at that facility. And that is a problem. If you've lived in New York and you've lived up here in Boston, you know how the Metro works. How many people that work in Boston actually live in Boston? So the fact that she didn't put that together, it's just, it's, it's, it's shameful. <laughs> it's just, it's shameful. It's ridiculous to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that was, she definitely, uh, um, misstepped there and, um, yeah, did not did not do herself any favors, and really, sh- it, it, I mean, we knew her true colors, but it brought more um, of those true colors to a little bit more. I shouldn't say the general public, but a wider audience um, than before. So it's it's, it's kind of I don't know, spitefully fun to see that. <laughs> yeah, and I also want to point out she still has not responded to Chris Smalls on Twitter. By the way. Chris Smalls is also in that thread and AOC still has not responded to him. So there you go. Yeah. It it was nice to see uh, someone who had a big win like that for labor, you know, be uh, honest about AOC. So it was just, uh, I don't know. This this is a lot of positive here. Well said. Well, Greg, thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. Thank you. All right. And Tom, you are now the next caller. You're on the mic. Just got to yeah. unmute. Yo, it's not. It asks for permission the first time you load the app. The second, this is the second oh. uh, installation I've done on this. And, and it, you have to like hit some buttons on the screen before it says, you know, permission to use microphone. Oh. Just a little technical bug I discovered on status quo earlier today. Oh, I'll have to let them know about that. I'd appreciate it. It saved me some buttons. Um, I'm just doing a shout out for the Kansas City Tenants Association since I've got the audience, if you allow. Are you familiar with Kansas City Tenants Association? Union. I'm sorry, union. They use the word union here. Yes, Casey Tenants Union, uh, Saturday, Trinity Church, Lutheran. Oh, let me... Go to my other device and read what I'm allowed to read. Cool. Yeah, Remember Nick from RBN. In the parking lot. Oh, sorry. No, I was Here's, saying Nick yeah. from RBN has told us a lot about Casey Tennis. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm familiar with Nick a little bit. Remember to meet at 10 a.m. in the parking lot at Trinity United Methodist Church, 620 East Armour Boulevard. Make sure to bring water, wear comfortable shoes because we're going to be walking, and charge up your phone to collect contact info. I'm old school, so I'll be with a clipboard. Cool beans. Cool beans. That's all I was going to shout out. Um, I'm still playing with this app. Um, thank you for the time. And uh, P.S. Right. Eric, I sent you an email or something. We need to chat sometime. All right, That's Eric. I got that. Okay. Peace and blessings, folks. All righty. Thanks, Tom. I'm going to go ahead and Bye-bye. bring in the next caller. And that is. Pedro, you're on the mic. Oh, oh, hi. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, hi. Uh, so uh, I heard your comment about AOC. Uh, just a quick comment. Uh, I mostly agree with everything you said. Uh, I think uh, you should have mentioned uh, 
January 6th, I, I think I read somewhere that uh, she is on therapy. Uh, she has PT, PTSD because uh, what happened? Uh, so what happened, basically, there was a mob uh, of people chasing her and threatening, threatening her life. Uh, that, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, Pedro, wait a minute. What people were chasing her, Pedro? Uh, so this was on January 6th. The mob uh, just stormed Pedro, inside. No, no, Pedro, I ain't seen no people chasing her. She was already secure when those people came in. Uh, you. You might be right. I don't know all details, but th- there is a. She she actually went inside Katie Porter's office. And, yeah, uh, she, yeah, she she was she was safe. L- listen, Pedro, AOC has a tendency to be dramatic. Uh, I still remember when she went to the border and she had those big cries and that boo hoo hoo crying scene that she did. Those kids are still down there at the border in those cages. I don't see her going down there crying now. In fact, those tears dried up really quickly. So I don't want us to be fooled by her theatrics because I think AOC is very dramatic. Uh, it might be, might be, uh, but uh, I, I just think that uh, it should have, you should have at least maybe mentioned that, that uh, she, she says she's uh, on therapy and she has PTSD. So I think we at least should uh, mention that. I mean, that's... I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Yeah. So I I hear you, and I'm I'm sensitive to that, obviously. But that hasn't stopped her from doing all these other things. Like that didn't stop her from going to party in Miami. That didn't stop her from going to be in front of crowds in Ohio for Nina Turner. That didn't stop her from going to Texas to help Jessica Cisneros get elected and campaign in front of all those people. I think oh, I think AOC did what was convenient for her. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone on her team told her not to do it. Now, Jordan Sheraton covered this story and Jordan Sheraton explained that AOC's own team felt like the event was too street or thug like. So it was more about a reputation thing than it was about security, per se. Uh, It might be true. Might be true. I I don't know all the details. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that's that's basically what I had to say. Uh, uh so yeah maybe I'll, if i if i find something else to say i'll call back so thank you all right pedro thanks so much you're welcome Good all night. right i'm gonna bring in the next caller and this is mitchell so mitchell you are on the mic okay uh i first think we have to do something to the None of these politicians are going to pay attention to us until they believe that it's in their best interest. And that means their wallet, that means their chances of getting reelected, that means their chances of advancing to the next stage. And I'm uh, sorry, I have a cold. <laughs> but they, no uh, in order to do this, uh, we have to not be weak and vote blue no matter who. Um, we even have to be ready. And I know people are going to hate me for this one. We have to be able to vote red to keep the uh, the corrupt ones out because they get when the corrupt one gets in, they stay in for 50 or 60 years. Uh, once once they're in, they're that cancer forever. Now, Iowa luckily lost theirs. We had one named Abby Finkenauer who came in uh, in the 2016 at the same time Bernie was going and really acted like she was going to be uh, in, in Bernie Sanders' life. 
immediately she became uh, Nancy Pelosi's best friend and everybody was calling her Nancy Pelosi's uh, uh, protege. So Iowa didn't get anything from her and we voted her out. Uh, and I believe New York needs to do the same. And, uh, and in fact, unless we all start working together and saying, you get one time to, to work for us and then you're out. And not only that, we need to not accept people saying, you vote for me next, next Congress, I will vote in your favor. It needs to be, they need to start doing something now to apologize to us. And if they haven't, uh, submitted a bill for uh, Medicare for all, they need to submit one immediately. If if Nancy Pelosi doesn't accept it, they need to not go sulk back to their office. They need to go to the papers and say, Nancy Pelosi shot down my bill. If anybody else does, they need to say who blocked their bill. And if you can remember back when Obama uh, implemented his health care act, Every day, the Republicans submitted a new bill to, to rescind it. Every day. They didn't say, oh, well, it got blocked in the first try. We're giving up. It was every day. And then the Republicans, every day, made sure that they said who didn't vote their way. Um, we need to be the same way. We're not holding them accountable at all. Uh, we're breaking down, and we're just, even if we have an opening, and, and there we vote in another person who starts to act exactly like we need rules out there that they could see and start realizing that you don't vote our way. We don't give you a dollar. You don't put a bill forward. We don't give you a dollar. You don't call out the people in Congress who are working against us. We don't give you a dollar. And until we, they hear that voice, they're going to be like Nina Turner. Well, what do I need to do to get my race ahead or AOC, which who seems to me to be, what do I need to do to make my career go ahead? Well, we need to make her think that her only route to have her route, her career go ahead is to work in our favor instead of, uh, I mean, at this point, she seemed more like she was in Amazon's favor. And uh, I shouldn't take all your time with my, my cold voice. <laughs> oh, no. So a uh, quick question. In Instead of voting red, why not encourage people to vote third party instead? Uh, I think what the reason I said that was the way to get them out of office. Um, I think in this case, it would be better to vote red and get Nancy Pelosi out than let her go one more term. If the Democrats cannot field an agent, they have to remember that if they cannot field somebody we want, we will not vote for them. We will not vote for a party that doesn't have the power to beat them. We will vote for the best method to get them out of office quickly. Mm. And maybe, like I, I said, I, maybe that, that's a strange philosophy to think about. But the current philosophy that we have been using is, okay, we'll vote third party. Well, we already saw what the Green Party did to How with Howie Hawkins. Put in somebody that won't challenge the Democratic Party. I mean, how else can you explain Howie Hawkins? Uh, and so I've never seen a party seem to put in a Nerf candidate more than that before. Uh, you know, people were willing to vote for anyone other than Joe Biden. 
And they would have just like they would have a Jill, Jill Stein. She would have got more. But they picked somebody who didn't have any, uh, any presence at all to get going. Uh, you know, of course, Donald Trump is horrible. <laughs> but um, Donald Trump cut off, a, you know, prevented a war with North Korea. And uh, we immediately have Joe Biden trying to rattle the cage with uh, the Russians. And I have to think, what are we doing here? Are we thinking it through enough? And what is the fastest avenue to stop this madness? And that means this time we throw the Dems out. Next time we throw the Republicans out. They don't give us a candidate we want. We don't vote. Also, you other states, I'm in Iowa. You must take away first caucus from us. Uh, it is too abused. It's totally corrupt. And there's no way that uh, a decent candidate can get through Iowa. Mm. I, I personally don't agree with voting in the two-party system at all anymore. If I do vote, I will be voting for a third-party or independent candidate. Um, but I think your point, you know, your general point is stop voting for them just because. Like, the vote blew no matter who. And I, 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 I hear you. Like, I've said the same thing. Like, there were so many people, even on the left, I want to talk about independent media, even on the left, independent media, they were telling people to vote for Hillary Clinton instead of telling people to vote for Jill Stein. And Jill Stein was on the ballot in 48 states. So to me, that just, it did not make any sense. And so I felt like that was a chance where we had, we had more of a chance, <laughs> like the fact that she was on that many ballots and, and, and things like that. But I also think that, uh, I think we really need to push them. We need to push them. I'll give you guys a, a recent example that just happened here in Boston a couple of days ago. The mayor of Boston, Miss Michelle Wu, has not been liked. <laughs> and she was elected last year and she's been doing things and implementing policies that's really got people riled up. And recently she decided that she was going to charge the small restaurants in the North End, which is that's where all the a lot of the Italian restaurants are in Boston. She wanted them to pay $7,500. Mind you, we were shut down when the pandemic began for a while. So those restaurants lost a lot of money. Some of them closed for good, right? And then the summer came and we were allowed to do outdoor eating. Like we were not up and running like a lot of other states were. And then winter came and a lot of places had to close again because then they're like, you can't have people inside. You can only have so many and three and six feet apart and all these different rules. And so a lot of those restaurants are just now getting back up on their feet. And she wanted to hit them with $7,500 for them to let people eat outside. And so they decided to go to the local news. They complained to them. And then when nothing happened, they showed up at Michelle Wu's office and they made a ruckus. So now from what I hear, she's starting to back away and back down. And this is the thing, the same way that Max Blumenthal can catch Rokana when he's walking around in D.C., start asking him questions. We need to really put pressure on the politicians. We don't do that for the most part. And I think that's what it's going to I think that's what you're really going to have to do to get some type of change. But even then you still have the ones that are the most corrupt. They're the ones in the higher positions like Nancy Pelosi. She takes so much money, so much corporate money. And 
something for me just just has to change. And if I can see someone like Bernie Sanders, who is an independent, who I feel has somewhat been co-opted as well, if I can see him go along and say the same thing that Joe Biden is doing such a good job, that tells me that the system is the problem, not so much the people that we put in. So for me, I hi- I'm highly encouraging people, if you do vote to vote third party or vote for independent candidates, take those votes away from the Democratic Party. Take those votes away from the Republican Party and really wake people up and shake things up. Yeah, I uh, I voted for Jill Stein and I was called a misogynist for not voting for Hillary. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's get the next caller. I can Alrighty. hardly talk. Thanks, Mitchell. Hope you feel better. All right, Tyler, you are now the next caller and you're on the mic. Hey, Savvy. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I loved your show today. Thank you for doing it. Thanks so much. The first thing is just a real quick comment on this on this. Crystal and AOC thing. Uh, I do want to appreciate your perspective on saying, hey, you know, nobody's perfect here. There's hypocrisy kind of all around. I will say on this issue, on labor issues specifically, I've been a little more myself. I've been a little more in line with Crystal's perspective than I am on like uh, imperialism, for example. So I was a little more sympathetic to her on this issue than on some other ones. On the other hand, the whole thing to me was first world problems, right? Like this is two very healthy, wealthy, comfortable, powerful women arguing with each other about who is more hypocritical on working class labor issues, right? And 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 shut the hell up was my response to kind of all of it. Um, but that's but I do I really appreciate your perspective. Going, hey, you know, the uh, there's 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 plenty of hypocrisy to go around in this in this exchange. Um. I, your your earlier segment I thought was really interesting because uh, you had that I, I actually forget the 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 other uh, commentator's name who was talking about how there's you know the right the left and then there's this like center left corporatist left and this is my own perspective but it dovetails pretty conveniently with the previous caller and saying look people are talking about this center corporatist left. My own experience is that, or my own perspective is that, look, these these people are, in fact, far more right than a lot of the people who call themselves right, right? Like they're they're trying to carve out this like corporatist quote unquote left space because they're admittedly corporatists and and left on social issues, but it's 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 on on some major major civilizational issues. You know, there's nothing left about being pro imperialism. There's nothing left about being pro-authoritarianism. There's 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 a really really dangerous, I think, extreme right streak in the modern democratic quote unquote liberal quote unquote movement that is unacknowledged by most commentators. And I think perspectives like the one of your previous callers saying, well, you know, voting voting red is actually the lesser of two evils from a less a left perspective. I have a lot of sympathy for that point of view because I don't see a way to be further right than the guy who wrote the crime bill and 
rubber stamped Libya and Syria and now Ukraine and all right. I don't I don't see a way to be further right than the current administration. And so even looking back on the terrifying nature of the previous one, I have some sympathy for your other caller saying, uh, yeah, maybe that wasn't quite as bad in many ways, in many very important and significant ways. Uh, that's that's my own perspective. I'd love to hear your take on it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting where we are at this this point <laughs> politically, because sometimes it feels like to me, 2020 was just yesterday. Like we were just like Bernie yep. had announced he was running again. And it feels like that was just yesterday. And I feel like we have, <laughs> we've really kind of gone down a, a a tunnel that we cannot climb out of right now. And I think a big part of it is when thinking about what Ted Glick was saying, I had to remind myself that this is someone who he tried to start some type of third party movement back in the seventies. So this is going like way back. And this is something he's been trying to do for a long time. And I think that what he's probably seen is that he keeps hitting a brick wall because of the money. The money is, is the big problem. So, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think some of the things that, that we've all seen, he, he hasn't seen yet. Like he was saying, like, he doesn't know about some of these, these examples that we're calling out, like the squad, the way that they voted when it comes to like legislation. That's a big one too. And I have to remind myself, not everyone is paying as much attention as we are. Like my parents don't know about these bills unless I tell them uh, because they watch mainstream media. Well, my dad will watch like, they'll watch like my show, but if it wasn't for the, they wouldn't know about this stuff. Um, and, and my dad hates both parties, by the way. So I think that, a lot of people just don't know. They're not as tuned in as we are. They're not, you know, I watch this stuff and, and read news every day. And a lot of people don't. And I think a lot of people are just distracted by so many other things that are going on that they're really not, they don't know how AOC voted on some of these bills. You know, they don't know that Ilhan Omar said if she could meet anyone from England, she wants to meet Margaret Thatcher. Out of all the people to choose from, Hell, I would have rather her pick the Spice Girls. But she she said Margaret Thatcher. A lot of people don't know about that. They're just not tuned in at all. And I know a lot of people that just don't care about electoral politics. They never had because they don't feel like it actually works. And so I think the only thing that we can do in the short term is we have to continue to educate people. We have to spread the message because more and more people are coming around to it but not as many people as as I would like to see like come around to it and part of that has to do with the censorship as well but uh yeah and in reference to like Ted and some of the people who are like well it's better to have some progressive than no progressives you know it's it's been a i guess a reality check to me that some of them they just don't know as much detail as we do about how they've operated well Okay, that's really interesting to me because, like, we're not just talking about a random voter, right? I don't, I don't know exactly Ted Glick's credentials, but like, he's on a podcast with Taibbi, I know, right? Like, he's, you know, that's that's, you know, we're a guy, a guy worth paying attention to if if Matt does, essentially, from my own perspective. Um, 
and you know you're saying he just doesn't pay attention he just doesn't you know know about these things so i do think it's important for you know left space commentators to kind of make the point when it's appropriate that like hey actually this policy from this you know leader politician or whatever uh calling themselves left quote unquote is actually an extreme right policy because i've 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 kind of found in discussions with people who are like more traditional centrist corporate liberals that like this is a really strange phenomenon, but if I make an argument saying, you know, like, look, this 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 policy that you're basing this 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 argument that you're basing this policy on is factually wrong, I tend to get not very far with that. Um, but if I say this is actually a, an extreme right policy that comes from a right wing ideology and aligns with you know censorship and authoritarianism in that way, then I tend to then I tend to meet with at least an open mindedness because at least the person in my like target demographic, I'll say, quote unquote, they're, they're at least open to the idea that they want to get away from anything called far right. But if you don't make that argument, you know, you get you get to the point of like, you know, this is this is factually wrong and you don't make as much headway, which is frustrating to me. But anyway, I think that's an important lesson for left commentators. And I'll log off now and just hear what you have to say about that. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for calling in, Tyler. All right, I'm going to take the next caller. Lance, you are on the mic. Just got to unmute. Hello. Hello. I'm an old friend. I have a new profile. I wasn't trying to change, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to do an alias, but all the callers that you have, of course, make me forget about what I wanted to talk about because they have such great insights and all that stuff, but just to jump in where you guys were talking about Stuff that's just not getting done, you know. So minimum wage was seven twenty-five in '08 when Obama took office. You know, from FDR to Obama, he's the first president under whom the minimum wage wasn't raised. Every single president, Reagan, yeah. Eisenhower, the only one, first one. So if you think about the span from '08 to now, that's fourteen years. Just making a note. From 1952 to 66, you have, you know, Brown v. Board of Education starting in the 50s. You have the early, you know, you know, Martin Luther King was very much on everybody's radar in the 50s, not just until 67, you know, the late 60s, early mid 60s. 66, excuse me, 14 years from 52 to 66, kind of random years I, I took. But in 66 was the second year of, you know, the uh, full uh, term of 68 to 72, or excuse me, from uh, 64 to 68 for LBJ. And he was done by 66. The last two years was absorbed by Vietnam. But all the stuff that he got done. So from 52 to 66, all the stuff that we got happened. From 08 to now, it's like no healthcare stuff, you know, no minimum wage raise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like somebody that I've always thought is, uh, what's her name there? Uh, She's a treasurer in New York City. Uh, and she said, like, nothing changes anymore. And one thing is, having grown up in the 60s, kind of watched it on TV, it wasn't about individuals. And it was, like, about legislation. And the D Democratic Party, if you think about how liberal the 60s really, really was, it was Nixon who got did a lot of EPA stuff. It was he that had to answer to his constituents, which then as now are the 10% elites. And I'll leave with this thought for now, is that, the same ones that, you know, are now ignored. The Democratic Party wants the, uh, you know, 
suburban elites. Well, that's who kind of always is the biggest influencers. It's not the 1%, but the next 10%. And that's who wanted clean air. They were the true, you know, kind of liberals. They were the hippies that were still just young adults and wanted all that stuff done. That's all gone. So there is no union. There is no kind of like liberal elites who really want change and a left-wing way that even forced conservative Nixon to do a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, that, that's just gone. And it's starting to happen again. And let's end on a good note. One more thing is Amazon, which, of course, obviously, it's something great to celebrate. They just opened one of these new state-of-the-art next-generation warehouses, like 10, 5 or 7, 8, about 10 miles from where I live. So I have to find a way to try to get a hold of Chris Wallace and say, what do I need to do to get on your radar? Because everybody in the literally in the, in the, on the planet is going to want his attention, and he will channel it very efficiently. But I want to get on board and try to see if there's a way to unionize a brand new plant up here, up here in central New York. Yeah. So anyway, there's my thoughts. Love to hear your uh, response, Savvy. Yeah. You know what I was just thinking about? I was thinking about Jimmy Carter. And when is the last time we've seen someone interview Jimmy Carter? I would be curious to see, like, what would he say about what has happened in this country since since Ob- since Obama? I mean, I feel like the Democratic Party was supposed to be the party of the working class people, right? And then mm-hmm. it just kind of somewhere along the way became the party of these elite academic candidates. And- Two quick things. There's a great book called Winner Take All Politics. It's so specific. It starts in 1978 specifically with Schumer and Graham, the Republican, and Coelho from California. 1978. They literally said it. We are open for business. That's when all that started. Uh, and that's when a lot of the whatever, you know, deregulation, a lot of stuff that Clinton put on overdrive. Very fascinating book. I forget who wrote it. It was two guys. Winner take all politics. And I, I don't want to just keep going here, but there's a great interview. With, of course, Chris Hedges, who does, when he was still on RT, did mostly book, it was people who wrote books, was his on contact thing. And it was someone who wrote a biography of Carter, talking about, you know, warts and all, good and bad, about Carter. It's interesting. Go Chris Hedges' interview with Carter biographer. It's interesting. So, yeah. Sorry to. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Someone actually just said um on YouTube, Jimmy Carter said the United States is oligarchy in a recent interview. And Sherry said that uh, Jimmy Carter's 101 years old. No, really? Jimmy Carter's 101? I think if he was 54, let's say, when he got elected in 76, he'd be pretty close. That'd be 22. He's got to be almost my parents' age. Oh, wow. Good grief. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering, you know, what his his take is on all of this because it's just you know, things just definitely changed. Um I feel oh, he's 97. Okay, thanks we're a pilgrim. Um but still, damn. Um yeah. It's just it's just so different now. It's so different now. And I was talking about this recently on RBN. I feel like one of the biggest mistakes that happened to a lot of the movements that we had in this country after the fact People just stopped fighting. Like after the civil rights movement, after MLK and Martin Luther King, people stopped fighting and embraced neoliberalism as if that was supposed to be the end all be all. 
And we haven't seen anything like that since, except for what happened with the George Floyd, you know, the Black Lives Matter protest. But again, but that had nothing to do with politics, though. That was about that was a human rights issue. But when it came to like political issues, we just we don't have it. Like everybody just gave up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, you know, of course, the media is separated because they're they're all from upper middle class. There's no connection to the working class. And there is no unions. There is no working class like root. You know, I say this to people. I became like the de facto union steward. And I'm not necessarily a rabble rouser about stuff, but just basic rights of workers. They didn't know. I'd be like, the, like I said, the de facto union steward every place I worked in the last 30 years, you know, because workers don't understand their rights. We're not being educated. And back, you know, just to throw something else in, there's great stuff on YouTube is uh, this uh, Fred Hampton. There's actually an ABC interview, nine minutes long. And the guy said, let's do this again. It was kind of a little glitchy and it didn't edit out any of the tough questions, you know, answers. And it was really interesting. ABC actually did an interview uh, that aired at the time, I think, on uh, ABC. But he did it uh, a great back and forth with some other Black Panthers about he said, let's educate people. Yeah, we could do, you know, protests of direct action. But and it was no, 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 it's direct action all the way. And, you know, he lost. But and I've talked to you about this, you know, mentioned this before, but, you know, the education of people, they just don't know. They just don't know. They're starting to. <laughs> they're starting to. And I'm really optimistic. And this whole union thing is really strong. And they're, they've been the, here's, I'll, let, I'll leave on a very positive note. I think if you go back historically, go back to feudalism. I mean, it's workers rising up. That's where the action has always happened and that's where it's happening now it's happening on a small scale where people are quitting burger kings and dollar generals on the local level and now it's happening with the biggest monster amazon on the planet so that's a real 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 positive sign so yeah that that's a good bit of of big of good news today was amazon i was glad that worked out yeah and, and 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 again go back as far as you want you know, it's workers that have always fomented any real, it could, you know, and this is something that if you read Mao's Little Red Book or something, I've read, you know, but it can start with academics, right? It can start with the bourgeoisie who's being screwed because now there's a rising middle class who weren't before, you know, it can start anywhere, but eventually it's got to be the proletariat, the lowest classes, the workers. If it doesn't wind up, it can start with them, but it has to wind up. Well, actually, I think they say it the other way around. The elites have to eventually back it, is what they actually say. That's what they act. That's what he actually said. I got it backwards, but you know, wherever it starts, and that's what's going to be a problem. And how you, and the only way that's going to happen is by force and it's third parties and it's saying, forget it. No, AOC. No, you don't get two terms. No, you're not going to make a career of it. Thank you very much. I'm sure your constituent services are great. I'm sure you're going to schmooze enough people in your district to do fine. Uh, but no. You get one shot and that's it. And this is what like I say. And this is the other thing is that the 60s wasn't about RFK or anyone. It was about this is what we want and we're going to make you do it. Don't People don't remember. Think about it. People don't remember the names other than Johnson or MLK. Who are the, you know, yeah, you could pick out certain legislators, but it's no, it's about civil rights, about voting rights. It's about the marches in the street. It wasn't about certain individuals that like, yeah, man, that's that squad of the 60s. No, it was LBJ. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was LBJ who, who grabbed these people by their throats and said, look, I'll make sure that I use every power that I have as a most powerful person on the planet. 
you'll never get a job as a dog catcher in your district again and all that kind of whatever he said, you know? Mm, and well so, said. Yeah. Yeah, I'll Lance, thank, thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go ahead and get to the next caller, but thanks so much. I'll be listening. All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you. See, you see you again sometime. <laughs> see ya. Yep. Thank you so much for the super chat on YouTube, Justin B. Congrats on your anniversary, Sabby. Trying to get call-in working, but unable. Super chat instead. Maybe call in next time. In regards to Howie as a Green Party candidate, Jill needed a break and couldn't run again. Hopefully she'll run for something in Massachusetts. It would be great if she ran for mayor because Michelle has got to go. Thank you so much for that, for that, Justin. Thanks so much for the uh, super chat. I don't know if my mic's still open, but Howie's from my hometown, Syracuse, New York. And man, he's okay. He's a character, but he needs to run for something he can actually win instead of just trying to get on the biggest stage so he can talk about stuff. But, you know, he gets people on the ballot on the green party. But, you know, Howie, you know. But anyway, I agree with Mitchell. I think it was we talked about Howie. But again, I've had my time on the floor, so I'll I'll talk to you guys later. (laughs) All righty. Howie. All right, Jonathan, you are now the next caller. Just got to. Hey, Sabrina, how are you doing? How are you doing tonight? Good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, just first, of all, I want to just thank you for covering the, um, the uh, what was that called? The DNC, um, sorry, BNC, wrong one, the BNC um, shutdown of their channel. Um, I had said something to you about it on Saturday in RBN chat, and he's like, oh, I didn't know about it. And then when the slap happened, I was like, oh, she's not going to cover this now. She's going to talk about, you know, what happened with um, the Oscars. And But I did see that you covered it the next day because it was something that's very important to us as Black people that we don't have, you know, in our representation as far as leftists goes. I mean, and also when you covered that, I wasn't there in the chat, but I, if I was there, I would have said, yes, I knew, I heard about them before the shutdown and only because it came across um, my feed on Facebook with um, Black Enterprise. And when I saw JC Watts' name, I'm like, okay, this can't be good. So I was surprised they even lasted for two years, let alone uh, if they lasted for one year. Um, my question to you is, um, did you get a chance to catch Brianna Joy's great interview with Ro Khanna? I saw, um, CJ, wait, am I thinking right? Didn't CJ do? Yeah, see, I, I, I caught bits and pieces from CJ because CJ yeah, talked he, about it on RBN. He did talk about it. I think at that time I had, um, changed to a different video, but I, I think I only caught when he was talking about the tweets that you talked about between uh, our um, ALC and Crystal Ball. We get a chance, please check out that interview because she did what Brianna Joy Gray does. There was actually one part of the interview where um, he asked her like, are you saying that if we don't, if we don't get enough Democrats, you know, in the, are you saying, oh, sorry, how does she say it? Not exactly, but, it was on the lines of if we get more Democrats in the Senate and the and in the House of Representatives, are we going to get more bills passed? And Brianna was like, "No, I don't think that's going to happen. No, it's not." And she and she went immediately. And I was thinking that she went immediately to California. She's like, "California has a majority in the House and the Senate, 
and a governor who ran on Medicare for all, and they couldn't even get a vote. Um, she did not let Ro kind of off the hook easily, like he does on other cha- on mainstream media. And he's been on her show before, and it was like, you know what you're getting with Brianna Joy Gray. And they also talked about the whole Max Blumenthal situation. And then, not I think yesterday, she interviewed Max in reference to his interview, her interview with Ro Khanna. So just check those out when you get a chance. I think the interview with um, um, Max Blumenthal, his um, reaction was like three hours long. But I know that her interview with Ro Khanna is about an hour. So just check that out whenever you get a chance. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad that that she mentioned California because see, this is the whole this kills the argument that we just need more to, we just need to get more progressives in in the house. California is the now the now the shining example of why that doesn't really necessarily work because they had the majority on both sides and they still didn't even bring it to a vote. So I'm sorry, but when people say, oh, well, you guys don't want to give progressives a chance and you need to give them a chance, I'm like, dude, look at California. So now it's like, well, how do you come back from that argument now? How do you push that argument now? So it's just, it's it's one of those things. I mean, Rokana's interviews are kind of cringe to me because every time, every time someone interviews him, it's just, I feel like he really believes what he's saying. Like that's, it just, it, it irks my nerve. It really does. It really bothers me, but it's like, um, I'm not sure if she asked him about this, but I'll have to check. Do you know if she asked him about the funds? Because Rokana, where he gets his funding from, he gets his funding, a lot of it from the tech industry from Silicon Valley. That's very problematic. And not to mention his wife gets money from military. So do, do you remember if she asked about that? No, she did not. Um, it was basically mostly um, of what he said concerning the Ukraine and Russia. Um, also, like I said about um, electing more pro- more progressives or quote unquote, quote unquote more progressives. And also, lastly, was um, him running for in 2024 and, or 2028. Um, that was it. She he did she didn't address the funding. I don't know if she. I don't. I used to be a patron of hers, but. I left for more reasons I'm not going to get into, but um, I saw I was listening to her um, edited version on um, Apple Podcast on the Patreon. She might have an unedited version, but um, the answer is no. I remember she did not ask any questions concerning that. Um, and also, you talked about. Earl, thank you for reading out my chat about the um, more African Americans in getting their PhDs in higher education. The reason why I brought that up because I was just researching um, getting a PhD as an African American and how that in what, I think it was 2017, no African Americans received a PhD uh, from a non-HBCU, and I couldn't understand why. And then it, when you said like, oh, they um, they accept they mostly accept foreigners, and unfortunately I had to say this, they do count Africans as foreigners. So they don't look at they count Africans or Africans as black. Sorry, that's what I meant to say, and not necessarily descendants of slaves. So yep. that's also plays in the whole thing. And I'm thinking about getting my PhD, and I know that the stipends don't pay that well. But and then I also, right after I graduated from high school, I went, I stayed um, 
I say I have these roommates that went to the University of Pennsylvania, they were masters, they're getting masters in architecture, and they would tell me and show me pictures of them sleeping in the lab. Like they would not come home at night and they would be in it. They're like, oh yeah, we were, and they would show them like, oh yeah, you see them over there. And they're, I'm like, what in the world? Like, Jesus, like I thought they were making this stuff up, but then you just solidified this. I teach and I'm a 11th grade teacher and you teach in higher ed. So I understand how education works. And I know you're going to hate this, but I teach math. But um, <laughs> but um, I when trying to get into understanding higher ed is just a whole, you know, it, it's a whole different, you know, <laughs> world. So that's all I had to say, Sabrina. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jonathan. I'm going to take these last two callers, um, Amelia and Morg, and then I'm going to have to head out because we have that anniversary uh, stream. So, uh, Amelia, you are now on the mic. Amelia? I think you just have to unmute. Amelia, you have to hit the unmute button. Amelia. I don't know, Amelia. Oh, okay. She's. We'll take the next caller is uh, Morg. Morg, you are now on the mic. Hey, Savvy. How are you? Hey, Happy how are Friday. you? Happy Friday. Woohoo! Woohoo! So, I wasn't sure what exactly I wanted to talk about at first, but I think I think we need to start thinking about pushing people to vote to fire. And, and stop worrying about policy. Because every single time one of these people get into office, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they promise. They lie. And they get there on policy and then they lose. Or they just don't lose. Sorry, they just don't implement it. They don't fight for it. They don't push for it. They just do whatever the fuck serves them best. I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to swear. I don't know about this app. But I just feel like if you just vote to fire, and it doesn't matter how, but fire the person that got the seat the last time until the next one comes in and they do, they prove that they're able to do something. I don't care who, what party playing for teams enough, enough. There are no teams. It's us versus them. Just fire them until you get somebody in that's willing to do the job. And, it, and, and, and nobody's perfect. And I don't know if you ever read the book, uh, uh, talking to strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, it will prove in, in, in no defined terms that if you think you're a good ju judge of character, you're probably just wrong and maybe fluke out a lot. But human beings in general suck at it. We're terrible at it. It's an it's an amazing book. I, I highly recommend it. But in that light, like I don't care anymore about oh you're Republican, you're Democrat, you're this, you're that. It just I don't believe any of you. I, like not you, but I don't believe any of them. I don't. And I and I think when it comes to political figures, we need to hold them accountable to the point of like yeah, you call them out every single time and you don't let them just apologize their way back into your good graces because they prove that they weren't capable of doing the job. We fire them. Vote to fire. And I think that's something we can all get behind. Everybody's been fired once in their life. It sucks. Nobody likes doing it. Nobody likes getting getting it. <laughs> and uh it it's a thing that we can all relate to, and I think if we start pushing for that as opposed to parties, forget the parties. Who gives a shit? Vote to fire. Because they're not going to tell you the truth about the policy anyway. That's why we keep pretending like they're going to. I don't know. What do you think about that? 
Hey, I mean, we can get fired from our jobs, right? <laughs> like our, our our regular, you know, everyday jobs. I mean, it's a good, it, you know, that's that's a good point. How come these politicians are not fired when they don't do their job? There's no accountability. We all and, get told, right? And and we don't we don't think about like, hey, the fact that you lied to me 17 times, but I'll give you one more chance. Like, what are we doing? Just fire them. Fire them immediately. And yeah, we're going to have a bunch of noobs running the country. Cool. Whatever. Right? Just keep firing them. We just keep allowing them to exist. And then when we find out what neighborhoods are so corrupt that they want these shitty people in charge, then we put some pressure on those neighborhoods. Right? But I think if most people, you just say, hey, who was in power last time? Did they help you? No? Fire them. And that was the message instead of like all the confusion and bullshit and the stuff that 90% of uh, people out there, voters, just don't pay attention to. Honestly, our little bubble of people that are like doing call-ins and watching shows like yours and or Crystal Balls for that matter, the, the percentage of people doing that is so fucking dropping the bucket, it's not even funny. And, and it's hard to understand a number like 350 million people. It really is. It's hard to wrap your head around it as a human being and make sense of it. But the noise, and even though there seems like a lot of it sometimes on the left, is just, you know, the actual left, not the shit libs. It's just, it's so tiny. It's, it's relevant. But if we could get a common ground that doesn't care about politics, doesn't care about policy of like, did you like what they did for you last time? No. Then you're okay to fire them regardless of what the other party is. It doesn't matter what you voted last time. It doesn't matter what your parents voted. It just matters about, did they do the job this time? No, fire them. Put the other one in charge because they're all liars. They all suck. Mm. Well said. Well, thank you so much anyway. for calling in, Morg. Thanks so much. All right. Um, Take care. You too. Lance, I'm going to go to Amelia because she was next in line. I think she fell off, and then I'm going to have to end after this. Um, Amelia, I think you're the next caller. Um, can you just hit unmute? You might have to hit it a couple times. Let me see if I make you a uh, speaker, if that does it. So Amelia, I just invited you to speak. If you accept it, No. I think it's a bug. Oh, Amelia. I'm so sorry. I think it's a bug. Shoot balls. Hold on. Yeah, I think this is a... Amelia, I'm so sorry, but I'm, I'm going to have to go because I, I do have to jump onto another stream. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, you guys. If you're on Android, the uh, Android can be a little buggy. I know they're trying to work out some kinks, but um, I do want to say thanks to everyone who tuned in tonight. Those of you watching on YouTube and those of you listening on call in as well. Um, I really appreciated hearing what you had to say and yeah, definitely tune in next time. I hope you guys like these, uh, Friday call-in shows. 
you know, maybe if I get a little bit more time on my hands, I can do uh, more than one of these a week, maybe just one just on the app and not necessarily on YouTube. But um, looking at the time, I have to go. So I do want to go ahead and end the segment on call-in, and then I'm going to end on YouTube. So thank you so much for tuning in to Sabby Sab's podcast on call-in. And I am signing out. <laughs>